This is Comet Picks by the Glick. And I'm your host, Jason Glick. Good evening, Jason Glick. How are you? Oh, I'm doing doing just fine. It's like, as you're, if you're listening to this right now, it's like I am currently in San Diego attending Comic-Con, buying all sorts of stuff um, for use in future podcasts and future posts on the site as well. That's right. He's one of the elite folks. He has uh, passes to, de- uh, to, to, to uh, Comic-Con folks. <laughs> yes, and I got up at 3 a.m. last year in order to wait, wait in line outside the marina in order, in, order, in order to get. Won't be doing that this year because they've gone and just... Um, just said, like, no, pre, no on-site pre-regs this year. Ooh. Well, at least you know this ticket was uh, uh, well-earned. <laughs> yeah. It's in like more, in ways, this... more ways than one, probably, I'm sure. Yes, as I'm sure, I'm still one of probably the only people who actually still says they go to Comic-Con to actually buy comics. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah. Uh, so what you got up on the plate for tonight? Okay, I got two series um, that really have nothing to do with each other, but I decided to um, go ahead and do a podcast about them anyway. The first um, is very, well, not quite of the moment, but it basically reflects like the, this current trend this year of, of, of images um, resurgence as they create, as they create their own like, haven. I mean, it was founded on the principle of, like, of, uh, of, these, um, of these artists, um, like Jim Lee, Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld, Mark Sil- Silvestri, Wills Protasio, Jim Valentino, and Eric Larson, trying, just like, you know, breaking off from Marvel and just, like, you know, like, forming their own company in order so they could do their own titles and get, reap their own benefits. The problem is that when they did that, a lot of their titles were absolute shit. And, um, they, and that, well, they sold, like, um, and, like millions of copies because of the creator's reputations, um, no one really looks too fondly upon like their their like these these things these these titles like back back when they were originally published. Now over the years though they've they've actually gone they've actually managed to establish a relate like a reputation as being being the the new go to place where if you want to do create solid creator owned stuff this is where you go with um, the tightening of the contracts at Vertigo Marvel's icon being um, closed to. Uh, um, basically, like their top A-list creators, Dark Horse be, um, really only being an option if you're you've got something so transcendent that it will sell without any promotion. Um, Image is basically um, like reemerging the last last um, two years, basically like a ha- haven for like for new for, for like new innovative stuff, and, and this is all doing a lot of part to um, Robert Kirkman's success with like, his phenomenal success with The Walking Dead, and he's also been trying using that to you know like. Just basically, show like, hey, you know, this is this is what I can do under the image plan, and like, if you and if you're good enough, you can do the same same thing as well. Now, we've gotten a lot of that this year with um, with um, Ed Brubaker and Brian and um, Sean Phillips Vital, which I thought was okay, but not nearly not up to the standards of their previous work, and also stuff that I have stuff that I have yet to read in trade paperback collections, such as um, Brandon Graham's Profit, um, it's like. Um, um, Jonathan Hickman's um, Manhattan Projects and Secret, um, Brian Vaughn's um, Saga, which I'm expecting to be like, you know, absolutely fantastic, fantastic. But you know, I could be setting myself up the same disappointment that that Fatal did. But we shall see. But um, before, even before this this year, and all these all these new titles are popping out. Um, Image was also like um, getting a lot of buzz for series like Chew, like Skull Kickers, and what I'm talking about now with Morning Glories, basically the series that launched Nick Spencer and got him got him like some some, some regular gigs at, at Marvel for for a time and also landed him the job of co writing um uh, Thief of Thieves with Robert Kirkman. Now the best way to describe Morning Glories is that it's basically um like the series Lost only it's a comic book. Because 
Well, Lost had the um, had the hook of just being like these people, like these people, like stuck on an island with all, all these mysterious things things happening. But while there was this, all this mystery surrounding this place, the real focus was you know on the characters, and it's like and you know just what was what was happening to them. Now, the problem with this with any kind of this kind of approach to the series when you're talking. So they have this kind of series with the, the inherent mystery of this core, like with Lost. It was like, you know, what was with the island? What was with the smoke monster? Um, what was uh, like, what, like, how, how, why were all these people like, cho- like chosen, like chosen to be here? It's like, yo, you, you've got to like provide answers. You got to have like, you've got us like a solid plan. Now, ultimately, Lost problem was that you know it. They seen they felt at some point you get the feeling they realize that you know, hey, like we've got these. Like we've spent all this time developing these the the, the Sterling these Sterling um characters, and you're like, hey, maybe like the people will be our our fans will be um more be like more invested in seeing how their stories pan out than us actually answering any of these questions. Now, I'm not going to say that the uh, time I spent watching Lost was was wasted in any way. I enjoyed watching it with um with my buddy who got me started by marathoning the first two seasons and then every season thereafter thereafter except for the last one which I watched as it came out. But it's still not hard not to feel disappointed by the fact that they just didn't that they just didn't uh, make good on a lot of a lot of their um a lot of these um, mysteries like they. They just did their, that they set up all these like interesting questions that they didn't actually bother to answer them. Some of this was due to um, like situations outside of their control, like the availability of certain cast members. But a lot of this stuff was just kind of like they, uh, you know, like they, they used to feel like they were just like winging it. In fact, they even developed devoted a, a special um, feature in their unbox set to basically answering a lot of these um, unanswered questions. And the answers we got were just like were so perfunctory in the sense that, you know, like well. Okay, if you if the reason like there were pearl bears on island because they had this specific um like resistance to magnetic fields, I mean like that's not really a big a big deal. Why couldn't you just answer this question like a straight it's like one one line of dialogue in this one random episode? Now I realize I'm getting I'm ranting at this point, but still uh with but still I mean like, that's I mean, that's a problem that's a problem with loss. But the, then again with loss you've got like several. Lots of different people um, working on this series, including Brian Vaughn, um, for um, seasons three, four, and five. Um, and like, like I said, the, the, um, availability, the availability of cast members, like you know, constraints of working with within a TV seri- series budget, and also like answering just to uh, you know to like the uh, to like network demands. But um, with Morning Glories, it has several distinct advantages in the sense that um, you know just working with one writer, one artist. And um, you just have and just the th- and the f- fact that they've got all, all these uh, that, that you know they basically have, like sole control over what goes on. I mean, like no one's gonna tell them they can't use this character because like you know it's like Omnic Spencer has complete complete control over this series. And really, it's like like it like up to this point, like, like whether or not you're you're gonna enjoy Winning Glories depends on how invested you how how well you believe that Spencer has like you know, has this planned out. After reading three volumes so far, it's like I'm not, I'm not like um, un, I'm, it's like I'm not um, convinced that he doesn't have a plan. But at this point, he is he is sorely trying my patience with this third volume. Now, the premise for Morning Glory is that you've got see, these these six these six teenagers who are who've been selected to attend um, the Morning Glory Academy Morning Glory's Academy which is the most prestigious prep school in all 
it's like it's like in, in the world you've got like um, Casey the type A type A student who is just like you know, like a nat- natural leader. You got Jade like the um like the goth like like the self pitying goth. It's like who's just like not not really big on like any any kind of happiness. You got Zoe the um ultra prep prep preppy um. Ultra perky, um, like uh, cheerleader. You got Hunter, the uh, the geek who who's who was late for just about anything. You got Jun, the uh, taciturn, um, Jap- like um, like I'm um, Japanese badass, and Ike, who's my personal favorite because he is just a huge dick to everyone. It's like everyone in the cast. He's yeah, he's he's a prep. He's a he's a yeah, he's one of the elite, he's in the elite. He's 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 a one percenter, but God knows like he doesn't get all the best line all the best lines in the book. Problem is that once these um, kids um, arrive at the academy, they find out that you know it's not it's not your usual academy. Like there's like when they try, co- they they're not they're unable to contact their parents because of bad cell phone signals. And when they do, they find out that you no, know, their parents don't rec- don't recognize them. Or in the case of Casey, who um they she finds out that you know her parents um wouldn't um it's like wouldn't agree to like I'm not recognizing her. They said no, we're not going to give up on her at all. Her parents were killed outright, and that's. That's only the big tip of the ice. That's only the tip of the iceberg for um, what's going on here. Because you've got like these weird, bizarre technological experiments. This one, this one guy, this one being named David, who can like phase in and out of reality and make people's heads like um like eyes pop out of their sockets and their brains melt. Like all this, all this weird ass, weird ass shit. And but the thing is, it's like like all the teachers. I mean, like, yes, they are complete bastards. But the thing is. You're never given. They're, they're, you're all given the sense that they're doing this. That that they believe that they're doing this for a better future. That like in the sense, this is the school of the ends justify the means. And in the sense, you've got like all these students who are just like you're being completely being fucked with, um, by their it's like you know by by their supposed guardians. But it's you know supposedly all for a better for a better purpose. And this is sold pretty well for the first two volumes. I mean, like it does a good job. First of all, you do a good job of establishing the characters, setting up these these mysteries and, and developing, such as, such as introducing this one character, um, like Abraham, who is kind of like their um, analog to Lost Jacob, who um, apparently figures into a lot of their, it's like to a lot of their back to a lot of their backgrounds, and also just like showcasing like interesting character traits, such as um, Zoe's um, fact that she is apparently like a um, closet psycho killer. Now. It's like um, these first two volumes did a good job of like you know at least setting up like relatively self-contained stories or not necessarily self-contained stories but you know like volumes that at least felt like they had a sense of closure like the stories that at least had a sense of closure with each volume. Volume three though, um, subtitled PE, basically has everyone basically um like kind of bust things wide open as everyone like kind of like, disappears from the grounds on this um ac- on this academic thing called the Wood Run. And um, things, and it takes, and a lot, a lot of this takes the form of, you know, further episodes, further, like further episodes of Lost, where you just like where they advance the plot, but they also like flash back and show you like what what people were doing at this time. Now, now some of this stuff is pretty clever. Just Casey, um, Casey's um thread, which basically has her going back in time to basically um get her dad to quit the military, and um, and in some ways um like set up her engineer her own acceptance to um to the Morning Glory Academy. And that's stuff like that's that's pretty clever. But then you get um, stuff like Zoe, which with her psycho killer um, bit, you know, like not being resolved at all and being like abruptly interrupted at the very end of the volume, which with a uh, with a ver- with which has like a uh, open ended what the hell type 
type of situation with a um, with an actress from a random, from a talk show that Hunter saw while his mom was dying. Um, like I'm showing up to save his ass. I mean, like I'd say spoiler warning, but it's so bizarre that I, I can't really get a grip on it. I mean, it's like it's like there's there's a lot to like about the series. I mean, like you've got um like Sp- like Spencer's um like um razor sharp, very wit- very witty dialogue, um like certain like like certain certain cool plot twists and um. The artist Joe Eisma, he is generally he's pretty good. I mean, like the series, I mean, he's not in the league of Steve Dillon as far as it comes to like, character expressions and body language, and you know, just like getting you to empathize with you know, like, how the characters characters look. I mean, there's there's a lot of awkwardness in the first first couple of volumes. He's getting, I mean, he's getting better by vo- getting a lot better by volume three, and I'm sure he'll only get bet he'll, he'll only get bet get better from here on out, but um. But still, it's like with with volume three, it's like it's yes, you get a lot of like you get some explanations, you get a lot more questions, and by the end, like just that open ending just felt like okay, you know, it's like I still I I feel like I don't feel like I really gained anything from reading this right here, just the fact that you know, like well, okay, I, I can like. I've read um, the trade paperbacks that end with cliffhangers before, but this one, when you're just like you know tacking on, just like the fact that oh, we're gonna have to wait another six months in order to um, maybe get some answers, it's uh, it's a it's a little aggravating. At least, at least from my perspective. Those of you reading this in single issues might have have a different perspective, but still, it's like you know, it's like it hasn't like I said once I'm like invested in the series, like I'm gonna have to. Uh, like the series is going to, have to like, you know actively work in order to get me to stop stop reading it. Morning Glories take volume three takes this kind of like the first steps towards that direction, but I'm not there yet. I'm still going to like keep reading these volumes and keep reading the series in order to find out you know what's going to happen next. To be like hey you know just to, like see like you know, does Nick Spencer really have a plan or is he just or it's like is he just going to be like, string, stringing us along for us, for a for the six series sixty issue planned run, we shall see. Anyway, what else? The thing I want to talk about. Um, this is something I just burned through today, um, through yesterday and today is um, WYSIWYG, Portrait of a Serial Hacker by Ed Piscor. Um, I've had my eye on this series for a little while because it was originally published by Piscor online and in um, three separate volumes. Um, this this new version by um, Top Shelf, as I understand, comes with um, features um like. Basically, kind of like, it's kind of like the director's cut of this of this of this story. It's a story about um, one um, Kevin Boingthump, Boingthump um, Pinnacle um, talking um, basically um, sh- um, acting as the uh, it's kind of like the, like the avatar for like um, for like, for hacking through the through the ages. Now it's now it's like this isn't this isn't a nonfiction work, but um, Piscor like um, says that he basically um, drew a lot of like a lot of this, a lot of the inspiration for for these stories, like from from real life hackings, from the real life hacking sports of guys like Kevin Mitnick and others, and um, it shows you like you know just like how you know how hacking evolved, you know from the seven, early seventy days of seventy days of like you know phone freaking, getting free calls, fucking with Ma Bell, and um you know getting free and of course getting free um plays at the arcade to you know eventually just like you know like soft like um like bringing protection on software. Um, like I'm um, getting uh, actually like the like on um, wire uh, accessing federal federal wiretapping. It's like and actually and you know out and out hacking through uh, 
like through, through computers. And you know, the best part about this series is that it, it like it really gives you if you've got no um, now element that I'm not really like I, I got I got some knowledge of this of, of happy not really not really a whole lot to actually do anything, but you know some familiarity familiar with it but it also but it gives you like this um introduction to this world that a lot of us know nothing about and um it's it's like and it's and a lot of the stuff that he that that talked that shows um kevin doing um from like you know from just like you know getting from rerouting calls to like you know get to like um using his um his perfect pitch to um whistle um like free whistle the tones for to get free calls like from pay phones to like um finding ways to um hack um like um, like um, radio radio station call-in ones, and also set up you know um party lines for pimps. It's like it's it I mean, it's fascinating. I like seeing seeing all this stuff, and it's like it feels and also and it feels believable as well. Did but, they tell you what? Did they tell you what WYSIWYG actually stands for? Uh, well, it's like I knew that it stands for what you see is what you get. Yeah, exactly. Even though that they they spell it as um W I Z Z Y W I G. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, exactly. But that's but, uh, that's pretty. That's a clever like play on it. Yeah, but okay. But like, John, refresh my memory. Wizzy, uh, what you see is what you get. Where did that exactly comes? What part of um computer programming does that represent? Ah, that represents web-based programming. It's actually an outdated term now. So, um, but uh, the uh, WYSIWYG was what you see is what you get. So basically, what you put on the screen is what you got as the web page but this is an early term this is not this is not uh they don't uh, i think it's they don't use WYSIWYG anymore they used to call them like WYSIWYG editors and uh look at the cover of this book uh or of the graphic novel i see that it's a uh, it's actually a classic macintosh mhm that's what he has and up on his screen is a little like uh, it's basically a graphics editor and it says WYSIWYG portrait of a of a something hacker serial can't read that serial Cere- Serial, yeah. A serial hacker, which is another joke because serial ports and serial hacker, ha ha ha. Okay, See, ports. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. You can say it's an outdated term. I mean, like, what? What are we talking about? Like, from like the what? What era are we talking about here? Uh, around 2000, <laughs> about 12 years ago. Um, WYSIWYG, yeah, they don't use Wiz, They don't call things WYSIWYG anymore. Okay. Yeah, because I mean that actually like um ties into like one of the the one of the issues I had with this volume, and that's that's kind of like the um like the dilated sense of time you get from this, because it clearly starts out, you know, in like in the seven, it's like in the seventies. I mean, like, we see um Kevin like you know hacking a pong, um arcade machine. It's like, and then um then moving on like to like to, like more sophisticated stuff from there. But it's like we're, it's like we see him just like you know like. Like go on from like every from every era from the late seventies to the early eighties to the nineties and now then even um in the uh, it's like even in the aughts because like the um the like towards the end he even gives like a, a virtual shout out to um Bradley Manning and um what he was doing with what what he was his treatment in, in the wake of on um, the WikiLeaks incident yeah but um but even then like, you kind of like. Like a lot of this stuff is kept purposely vague in order to like you know give it like a kind of like a, a timeless sense you know make it relevant to uh, you know I guess every era in a in a sense but I mean like t- only time is going to like be, be able to tell with that but as far as I'm concerned um, the biggest problem with with WYSIWYG is that well it's a it's a fascinating collection of like of, of incidents it doesn't entirely um 
work as as a narrative. I mean, like um, it like um, Piss Cortel is kind of like a uh, like a parallel story, like a like a parallel gives like a parallel timeline for the story. Like he we we find we start off like finding out that like, Kevin's been in prison for like for about for for a while, but then we flash back to like his his really exploits, and then we keep. But we also keep coming back to the present day when we find out that he's been in prison for like about five years without a trial, and that his his buddy Winston, who was kind of a kind of sort of a part uh, like a friend and buddy to him with his with his early hacking days, he's trying to like you know bring attention to Kevin's plight. It's like with his radio show. Now, but the thing is, the thing is, I was like, I mean, like as I understand, like um, WYSIWYG was originally like um serialized online, and you've got. But and you've also got like, and a lot of this, these uh, stories like basically take the form of like you know several uh, like 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 scenes that basically last like you know one or two pages at a time. And so like there's this there's just like weird sense of pacing like for all these. I mean, and then um, it doesn't like feel like that kind of like a like a real like a real narrative like a real cohesive narrative in a lot a lot of senses. Like we're just like talking about like, a bunch of scenes you know assembled together. A lot of these are really interesting scenes to be sure but also um that you know kevin kind of remains you know not really like a like a uh he, he kind of remains kind of like a, a, a blank slate for a lot of this stuff i mean i can understand the need for that since he's basically um trying he basically meant to, he's meant to represent several hackers it's like and their and their exploits over it's like over the years but Reading this, I can't help but wonder if that if um, if Piscor's approach to that um, actually uh, you know may have under undermined like the uh, like the overall story. I'm, I mean, it's like my my feelings are that it's a, it's certainly like a, a, a like an entertaining and interesting book, one that's like I, I enjoyed reading, but it's, but it's also something that just like you know doesn't that does. That it's just, like I said, doesn't come together. Doesn't come together as an, as an actual story. It's like it's like it's. I don't know. It's it's just not. Um, it's something that's easy easy to it's like easy to admire rather. It's like easy to respect rather than to admire. Yeah, so, it's like when you hear about uh, a particular incident or something out there, um, and you're able to appreciate the the thought process and everything that went behind it, you know, like, like big viruses, like, uh, during, well, let's see here, uh, year, around the year, I don't know, around the early part of the 2000s, there was the I Love You virus that, yeah. that caused havoc all over the world, and there was a lot of people who said, oh, yeah, wow, geez, that's, that's, that's the worst thing ever, but then there are other people that said, well, but I appreciate the engineering behind it, it's amazing how they were able to pull it off. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can see. How, I can see. I can see how that that'd be a good analog right there. But it's. But it's also. I guess the main problem with the story is that the characters, you know, are just kind of like there for like for you know, to a, maybe there is ciphers to advance the plot, and like the people who are who represent like kind of like the uh, like the opposite, um, like like the the people who are out to um like law and order like types who are out to get um Kevin, they just come off as like straw men, like you know from from the from the various um guys in the. From the various prison guards, the FBI, the FBI people. I mean, they're just kind of like they're. Oh yeah, we're we're like you're. We don't understand what you're doing. It's like, but you're doing something wrong, so we're gonna fuck with you. And then there's also the uh, 
like the, the anchor man who's a constant um like th- thorn in um in Kevin's side who basically who comes off probably more like um Ron it's like Ron Burgundy than like than any kind of like um real it's like any kind of real person. So I mean it's like it's I guess the end result is like WYSIWYG is something that it's it's more easy it's 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 a it's a it's a good it's fast it's a fascinating look into a world that a lot that a lot of us um, may not it's like may not ever experience, but it's also um, probably noteworthy that it's, that it's only the on, the only one of its type as far as um or you know I'm, at least the only one that I've that I've encountered as far as um com- comics go like, as far as any if you've got any other um if anyone's got any other knowledge of like uh, other um graphic novels centered around like like the exploits of real life hackers then please let me know because I'd love love to read this but. You know, like as like as like the only only one of its type that I've seen, then yeah, it's like WYSIWYG is certain, certainly worth reading. Um, but in the end, though, it's like I can't help but think that you know, like some someday someone will come along with an even more um, like involving story that basically ties in ties in like real real like um, real believable characters to an actual like and an actual narrative into it's like into the story it's like in, into this world. But even but even so, it's like I it's like I still enjoyed it, and I still think it's I still think it's worth worth reading. It just came out recently, so if you're looking for some something interesting at Comic Con, go and go and pick that up. And on that note, it's like it's time to call it a night, and I get to go ahead and start start pre- and so I can and get back to the con as well. No problem. Alrighty. Okay. Okay. We'll see you. In- You'll see you. will see you in two weeks after your wonderful DefCon trip, correct? <laughs> uh, uh, well, we'll see about we'll see about that. But no, we'll probably see you in two weeks. Maybe we'll have something Batman related because you know it is that it is finally that time of two that time of year again. So, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Yeah, Batmania takes a hold of America. All right, uh, we'll see you next time. Later.